A guten air Shabbos to our friends and members of the Westmount Shul. I'm sorry for sending out this drush so late on a short Friday. Obviously, Hashem, as I was thinking of what to say yesterday, I usually like to have the drush out on Thursday. I just wasn't able to have any uh, inspiring ideas. And of course, I pray to Hashem that he should help me, that I'm able, he puts the right words into my mouth. Well, Hashem answered my tefillos, and after davening this morning, I look in my inbox, and one of our members asked me the following question in all sincerity, and he said, are we going to have a one minute of silence tomorrow at 11 o'clock in honor of those veterans who gave their lives? For some of you who are listening who may not be in Canada, uh, that tomorrow on November 11th is Remembrance Day. That is a Remembrance Day uh, celebrated by the Commonwealth. It started in 1919 after World, when World War I ended, the big one as they say, and King George V instituted this idea of making a Remembrance Day and there's all kinds of customs for this Remembrance Day. And they decided then and there that the Remembrance Day for all Commonwealth countries will be November 11th when the armistice happened. And at 11 o'clock and at 11.11 specifically to have this two minutes of silence, one minute of silence, etc. to remember those who died in order to bring peace to the world. That was the, and therefore it became something that all countries, including Canada, did. And if you go to Canada, and you're in Canada or anywhere in the Commonwealth, wherever you are in a public area, there is a minute of silence. Of course, in government areas, cemeteries, things like that, there's whole uh, ceremonies and this and that. And the United States has different ones and other parts of the world have, have uh, a Memorial Day, whatever it is. So tomorrow at 11.11, the shul is just about davening Aleinu L'Shabeach. So the person asked me, are we going to do this? He also mentioned that he's been in many Orthodox shuls in Toronto that honored vets on November 11th, and even having members of the Legion who were Jewish speak. So I'd like to, uh, and so I thank you so much for asking this question, because it really provides a good avenue of discussion and education about this. So here is really what the question is. Should the, the shul, in the, towards the end of davening, have a moment of silence while we are just before saying Olenu or whatever, and really to program our davening that we have to be exact that at 11 11 we have a moment of silence in the shul. Uh, what are the issues? It's very interesting. So when I got this email, I was doing carpool with my grandchildren and I like to talk to them when we have carpool. So I, so I said, you know, I didn't say any names of where I said, no, there's a question. One person asked, are we going to say this moment of silence. I'd explain to my grandchildren what's the moment of silence and this and that. So one of my clever grandchildren, when he heard this whole idea to stop for a minute, I didn't even get to the question yet. He said, quote, 
That's a stupid thing to do. So, uh, you know, out of the mouths of babes sometimes. So I say, why do you think it's stupid? He says, why would you waste a minute? You could be learning Torah during that minute. So I said, well, don't you think it's a good idea to think about what's going on over there? So he said, well, not, not when it's during school time, not when we're learning Torah. You want to do it at another time, but not when we're doing it. That's what he said. This is a child's unadulterated mind, although maybe not advanced either. And of course, he's my grandchild and I have a certain bias. But you have to remember the story of the king with no clothes. Now, again, before people start getting all out of sorts and say, no, oh, the rabbi's not going to be knocking all the vets. No, that's not what's happening. You have to remember we think things through and we don't go with our initial emotional reactions. We do things thoughtfully, very important. So let's look at it from a halachic point of view. First of all, is there a source of a moment of silence in Judaism? Is this something that we practice? As far as I know, there is no such practice of a moment of silence. If anything, it's the opposite. In next week's Parsha, we will hear the destiny of world history through the mouth of Yitzchak Avinu, who says, Hakol kol Yaakov v'yedayim the voice is the voice of Yaakov, and the hands are the hands of Esau. And we are told that our power is in our voices. That is our power. It is our voice. Silence. The only time there should be silence, Torah does talk about silence, is when someone insults you, be silent and don't respond. When you're about to do something in a way that's not thoughtful, Stop and think before you return an insult to somebody else. Don't be, as they say in Hebrew, a pazis, impetuous. Yes, instead of being impetuous, you should be silent. There's, uh, you know, they say, mila besela shtika betray. A word is worth a dollar. Silence is worth two dollars. What does it mean? Silence when you want to say something that could be hurtful and think about it. That's when we have silence. Now, we as Jews do not need to be schooled about remembrance. We have to remember who we are and not to be ashamed of who we are. We don't need to get guidance from well-intentioned but misguided people and their minhagim. Doesn't mean to say we embarrass them. It doesn't mean to say we insult them. As a matter of fact, to just get this cleared up quickly, a number of years ago I was in Sobeys, and it didn't occur to me it was November 11th, and all of a sudden they said we'll now hold a minute of silence. Now I, you know, was in a hurry, but I said there's a lot of people here. Although I don't see the need for this, but I don't want to make a chil Hashem, God forbid. And I stood with a minute of silence. And I was meditating on Tehillim. But really, this is what we call a minhag, a hagoyim. So the question is, where does this fit in? And who is the, where should we get our guidance in remembrance? From King George V? 
people who create wars or do we get guidance from the Torah? That's a simple question. Are we a people who don't remember? Of course we remember. Who came up with the idea of Yisker? And how many years ago was Yisker? And when we have Yisker, are we silent? No, we say the Yisker prayer. We remember those who leave this world. No question about it. We remember people who have died. And we don't need special events to remember. Remember that every single Shabbos, not, to, this, not tomorrow because it's Rosh Chodesh, we say before Musaf the prayer Av Harachamim. We don't sit silent, we say, and let me translate it into English. We do it every Shabbos. Father of compassion who dwells on high in his powerful compassion, may he recall with compassion the devout, the upright, and the perfect ones, the holy congregations who gave their lives for the sanctification of the name, who are beloved and pleasant in their lifetime and in their death were not parted from God. They were quicker than eagles and stronger than lions who knew their creator's will and their rock's desire. May our God remember them for good with the other righteous of the world. May he before our eyes exact retribution for the spilled blood of his servants as is written in the Torah of Moshe, etc., 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 quoting a number of verses and going on through that entire prayer after quoting a number of verses, the last few verses are very instructive. And it says, For the avenger of blood has remembered them. He has not forgotten the cry of the humble. And it says he will judge the corpse-filled nations. He will crush the leader of the mighty land. From a river along the way he shall drink. Therefore he may proudly lift his head. And then we go into Ashram. No such thing as a moment of silence in Judaism. Yes, because of this idea that was created in 1919, so the state of Israel decided to do a Yom HaSikaron, which is a very nice thing to do, although the dating of that is very questionable from a halachic perspective. But again, who decided on a moment of silence? Was it the Gedole Hador, the Torah leaders, who care about every single Jew more than you can imagine? It was a secular concept. Again, okay, they're going to do it. Okay, we're not going to, in their face, not do it. But there has no source from the Torah, no source from God. It's a non-Jewish origin and a secular Jewish origin. That is the realities. So you might say, okay, I understand, but where's your hakoras hatov? Where is your gratitude? The answer is, you know what my gratitude is? I'm a law-abiding citizen. That's my gratitude. And my gratitude is, yes, I pay taxes. I, these people died, so there should be peace in this world. I follow the laws. You know, it's not just enough to shoot guns and a 21-gun salute. This all narishkeit. You don't find any of this in Yiddishkeit. We have words that we say to show thanks to people when they do things for us. And certainly there's a place to thank people. And you don't just reserve it for certain occasions. Action speaks way more than words. 
And unfortunately, we're in a world where words or no words, people think is more important than actions. And people know that Jews are the most loyal citizens in a country. And loyalty to the country, not breaking the laws, is the greatest show of gratitude that we could have. And whenever we meet government officials and we say thank you for what we're doing, we go over to the police in the promenade and we say thank you for being there to help us. We don't need to be schooled in how to remember things. That means we've forgot a lot. And we have to remember, where does this all come from? What's the whole idea of wars? Do we understand the hashkafa of what wars is? One thing's for sure, every day at Davning, we call Hashem the Baal HaMilchamos, the master of battles which means Hashem is the one who orchestrates world events that brings battles and brings battles to eventually bring the Mashiach. Let us think for a minute, where it, why would one want to have a moment of silence in a shul? In a shul, but hold on, during davening. Here is my point. There's a time and a place for everything. Now, let me share with you a story with Rav Kook, Zechrona Levracha, Rav Avram Yitzchak Kook. And the story took place on the 24th of Cheshvan, November 11th, 1925. There was a large crowd gathered at Rabbi Yehuda HaChosit Synagogue. That was a Wednesday and not during davening. And that was known as the Chorva Shul in the old city of Yushalayim. Government officials, rabbis, and other honored guests joined the masses to celebrate Armistice Day, commemorating the end of World War I. After the cantor chanted a chapter of Psalms, Rav Cook approached the Holy Ark and began his sermon. He spoke about the importance of public remembrance days, embellishing his words with halacha and agada in his own inimitable way. Just then a cannon was fired outside, signaling a moment of silence, and the entire congregation stood silently for two minutes. Remember, there were government officials. Israel now was uh, no longer under Ottoman Turk rule. They were now under British rule, and British officials were there, and there was a big issue of pikuach nefesh, shalom bayis, and a lack of chilil Hashem. So, it could be done in a shul. Yes, it wasn't during davening. It was a different time. And now listen to what Rav Cook said. He continued his speech and he said, We, the Jewish people, have kept silent not only for two minutes, but for 2,000 years. We are history's most reticent people. We are referred to as the dove of silence in Tehillim. The nations robbed our land from us. They plundered our cherished soil. They spilled our blood, and we always kept silent. We suffered 2,000 years of indescribable afflictions, but we kept our peace. The world's blood was spilled because they did not return what they stole from us. He's saying that World War I is because of that. Because the nations did not atone for their sin. Our silence today is our protest. 
our outcry. Return the theft. Return our holy places, which you took by force. This is a remembrance day, the way it should be done. Remember, we invented Yisker, a chutzpah, that we should be schooled in this? Now, let's see what we got for all of this Remembrance Day. Let me quote to you an editorial from the Toronto Star, dated Sunday, November 5th, written by Rosie uh, Rosie DeMano. Doesn't sound like a Jew to me. From what I understand, I could be wrong. Maybe she has a little leftist tendencies. It doesn't matter. It's a long article, but I just want to crystallize a few points. And in the article, you have pictures of the big demonstration that was last Shabbos and the occupation. Bombing children equals coward occupiers. Both, there's no two both sides to apartheid. From the river to the sea. She starts her article by quoting Ghazi Hamad, a member of Hamas's political bureau and former Hamas deputy foreign minister. In an interview last week on Lebanese TV, quote, we must teach Israel a lesson and we will do it twice and three times. The Al-Aqsa Deluge, the name Hamas gave its October onslaught, is just the first time. Nobody should blame us for the things we do on October 7th, October 10th, October 1 million. Everything we do is justified. She goes on and says, beyond she now, this Mrs. Uh, 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 Rosie Damano, beyond the pale, as a generic expression, it means outside the limits of acceptable behavior or judgment. I would categorize the massive anti-Israel protests that engulfed major cities, including Toronto, on the weekend as beyond the pale. Not the demands for a ceasefire, which would be tactically untenable because Hamas would use any pause to regroup, rearm, and repeat. Much as every sane person desires peace, the end of the killing, at minimum a humanitarian aid timeout to ease the suffering of civilians in Gaza. They're not at fault for the horrors that Hamas has unleashed. The Gaza Strip has been held hostage to Hamas since 2007. But wandering amidst that swell of demonstrators Saturday with a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern walk-on by a group called Jews Say No to Genocide, I don't feel the crowd's empathy for occupied Palestinians as much as brazen hatred for Israel. She says, of course, it's a civil right to assemble and protest after all. But it's palpable at the heart of these protests is vilification of Israel. Hate hasn't just bubbled to the surface in the last few weeks. It's gushed in global geysers, geysers of anti-Semitism. I suppose it will always, it was always there. She goes on and on how it got held up. He says, Saturday is what put me in mind of the historical antecedents for, quote, beyond the pale. What does that mean? The pale of settlement where Jews were permitted to live in Tsarist Russia, confined to their statal settlements. Jews have always been carved apart almost everywhere, tormented by pogroms, demonized in blood libel, gassed, 
and sent to the ovens in a holocaust that is still within living memory, yet forgotten apparently. It's an amazing article. You should read the whole article. And she's talking how, you know, she's really giving a, a pro-Israel perspective, etc. And uh, he says, you know, and they justify hiding behind uh, civilians, etc., etc. And she quotes Golda Meir, the world hates a Jew who hits back. The world loves us only when we are to be pitied. And she says, you know, what's happening 9,000 kilometers away from Toronto won't be impacted by protesters here or in Berlin or Paris or London. The scrutiny of Israel, its one-way obligation to adhere to restrictions of armed combat, is pillorying as an accused apartheid state. This country with free elections, freedom of speech, Arab parties in the Knesset, and Arab Muslims sitting as chief justice where 150,000 Palestinians were working every day before October 7th, has been unparalleled. But conditions for a ceasefire isn't going to happen from Toronto. But here's the point of the whole article. But what can, but what we are doing in Toronto is causing grievous harm to the Jewish community. With every imbecilic declaration of support for Hamas on university campuses, every mealy-mouthed statement from administrators of Academa who refuse to take an unequivocal stance condemning the slaughter of Israeli civilians, every boycott call outside a Jewish-owned business, every swastika spray-painted, 21 cars vandalized with swastikas markings last Tuesday, according to Toronto police, Every poster of a Jewish child ripped out. We are instilling immeasurable fear in our Jewish friends and neighbors. We have destroyed, perhaps irreversibly, any sense of safety and security for the roughly 150,000 Jews who live in the GTA. Beyond the pale, Ghazi Hamad will repeat the October 7th massacre Time and again, one million times if we need to, until we end the occupation. Ah, uh, Givaltic! A uh, two minutes of silence, because look what we've done. A hundred years later, after that, that two minutes of silence, that will get you what? To people to want to kill Jews and feel unsecure in Toronto. And for that, I'm going to have two minutes of silence? And guess what? My grandson was right. It's stupid. There's all kinds of reasons why they remember. But this is not what, this is what silence produces. There's Jewish silence and there's non-Jewish silence. Some of you may have found what I said very um, hard to hear. But you know the truth is very hard to hear. I say, what does it hurt? Well, what does it hurt? Listen, if you want to do it in your house, you can do what you want. There is an idea. We don't go after the chukas hagoyim. We don't go after their minhagim. Because their minhagim makes them feel their yoytzazai. We did our two minutes, and now we can do what we want. We can be behemoths. And the people leading these things, you find now all that's going on in the army. All you just heard this week, 
uh, Christian Cinema, who was uh, who was a, a female pilot, how she mentioned how she was raped um, in the army. There's no holiness in the army, as opposed to a Jewish army, which we saw unbelievable holiness. Yes, we have to have a karasatov. I'm not going to doubt that. I'm not saying we shouldn't have a karasatov, but you got to be careful. Where did that? What? What's that? Our karasatov taking us towards? Just another way to destroy Jews. I'm not saying we should uprise against the Canadian government. We got to know who our friends are and who they are, and how we as Jews have our most unique ways of remembering. We come to shul and we daven every day to remember what Hashem does for us. And it's not just two minutes of silence. Hakol Kol Yaakov. That's what it's all about. Where is the call? Where's the voice? The voice of tefillah. The voice of learning. That's what is going to make a difference over here. And I know this is a complicated subject. And because of that, we have now long Matzah Shabbos, very long. What do we do that's useful and beneficial, especially during a war? Now, in the summertime, we had a lot of time to learn on Shabbos, but in the winter, it's very hard. So starting this Shabbos, after we take out the Shabbos, after we, uh, you know, say uh, Avdola and say Tehillim, at 6.30, we're going to begin a series Written by Rav Cook, the greatest lover of Jews, the greatest lover of humanity, who wrote the safe or the pamphlet, Oros Hamilchama, the lights of war. He gives us the true Torah perspective of what why God brings war, what's to be gained from wars. And instead of just hearing the true perspective of the media, hear the true perspective of a great tzaddik over a hundred years ago was able to understand everything that's going on and then when you understand what war is all about then you can understand how we look at a remembrance day i would hope that all of us can do that 6 30 to 7 30. shabbos is over we say to separate between the holy and the mundane Ben Yisrael Ami between the Jewish people and the nations of the world. We say in the Baruch Das, you need to have real wisdom to discern the slight differences. What do you mean? There's Remembrance Day. How is that different? Oh, it's a whole difference between Kel Malei Rachamim, Avarachamim. It's a world of difference. World peace brings what? World war. That's all it brings. Just in more sophisticated ways. Yes, we don't need to be schooled in remembrance. Remember that. We're the Jews. We don't need to be schooled in what's moral and what's not moral. Went to make a ceasefire. And therefore, let's study. Let's come out, men, women, honestly, from 6.30 to 7.30. Do you have much better things to do to help the Jewish people? Studying Torah and the wisdom of Rav Kook. I encourage us all to come. And we're going to end with a story with Rav Cook. This was after the 1929 bloody pogroms in Hebron. This was after this great peace. After this great day of remembrance. 
Now we have the British that are taking care of us. Oh, they're going to take such good care of us. When the, I'm going to read from just a little bit from the book of Angel Among Men. It says, when the riots subsided, rumors spread throughout the issue that the British authorities actually cooperated with the rioters. Accusations pointed specifically to Harry Charles Luke, the son of assimilated Hungarian Jews. At the time, Mr. Luke served as General Secretary General of the British Mandatory Government, and rumor had it that he encouraged the Arabs to murder and pillage the Jews. Doesn't that sound a little bit like all the AP and CNN people who had incredible coverage while the massacre was going on? Ruff Cook called Mr. Luke on the telephone and demanded that he take stiff action against the Arab marauders. What can be done, said Luke. Shoot the murderers, replied Ruff Cook. Rev. Cook was a pacifist by nature. I have not received any such orders, replied the British official. I order you, said the Rav. I demand this in the name of human dignity. This is what we get with uh, Remembrance Day. This is what we get with peace. Sometime later, the heads of the British government in quote-unquote Palestine held a formal reception for the most prominent Jewish figures in the land. Mr. Luke cordially held out his hand to Rav Cook, but the Rav refused to shake it, saying sternly, I will not shake a hand stained with Jewish blood. Afterwards, Luke said to the Rav, You Jews, go and defend yourselves, but do not attack others. And Rav Cook replied, Do not preach to us. You who violate the commandment of you shall not murder. Our rule is, if someone rises to kill, kill him first. The Rav's bold stance made a profound impression upon the entire Jewish world. As Avigdor HaMeiri, a writer at the time, testified, if not for one unique, extraordinary man who stood guard over our national and human pride, we would now be rending our garments over the loss of our honor as well. Well, the Rav's bold response sped swiftly through the issue, created a great uproar wherever it reached. Most people raised his valor. Some criticized it mainly out of fear that Mr. Luke would take revenge on the Jewish settlements. So now wherever the Rav appeared in public, two opposing groups immediately formed, arguing boisterously for and against the Rav. Now, around that time, Rav Cook was invited to a bris. And, you know, before bris, people are talking and schmoozing. So before the ceremony, there was a heated debate broke out over the Rav's defiant response to the high-ranking officer who represented the Gentile lords of the land. And when the Rav realized what was happening, he signaled to his attendant, Rav Mayor David Shotland, a clever and learned man, to restore order to the crowd. So Mr. Mayor David rose at once and said emphatically, Gentlemen, very soon we will usher the newborn baby into the room and bring him into the covenant of Avram Avinu. At that time, we will all stand up and welcome him with the traditional greeting of Baruch Haba, blessed is he who arrives. I have two questions concerning this practice. First, why don't we greet a bar mitzvah boy or a bridegroom in the same fashion? 
they at least would understand the meaning of our blessing. While the uncircumcised surely does not. Second, why don't we bid farewell to the child after the circumcision by saying, Baruch bless the one who leaves. Silence hovered over the crowd. As Rameer continued his words, the answer to this question is quite simple. Sadly and shamefully, we Jews admire every uncircumcised Gentile we meet taking every opportunity to show him respect whether it is necessary or not. Therefore, when the yet uncircumcised child enters the room, we honor him by standing up and proclaiming Baruch Abba. However, after he is circumcised and becomes part of Kalal Yisrael, we no longer show him any special request, no Baruch Abba and no Baruch Hayotze. At 11.11 tomorrow, the shul is going to be saying, Oleinu l'shabeach l'adon hakol l'oseis g'dulal l'yotzer b'reishis shlo asanu k'goyer asos v'osamanu k'mishpachos ha'adamah. We thank you, Hashem, that we are the Jews. We serve you. We don't bow down to vanities and idols but rather before the Melech Malchei Hamlochim. That is what we say at 11, 11, 11. We want to make a Remembrance Day in the shul on another day, on another November 11th, and talk about that. Maybe there's something to discuss. But we will not downgrade the zikaron that this Shabbos brings. We will say a mishaberach for all our brothers and sisters who are slaughtered and celebrated by world leaders that the UN can still not condemn that action. Don't school us on how to remember. Don't school us in what a karas hatov is. We know there's only one Baal Milchamos, and we want to get to know that Baal Milchamos and follow what he says. And there can be no greater Kiddush Hashem for all humanity because our hope at the end of our prayer is by that the whole world will have a Tikkun Olam. And the Tikkun Olam is not coming from moments of silence. The Tikkun Olam will come from the Kol Kol Yaakov, spreading Jewish morality from Hashem to that world. I would not, um, what do you call it, um, up, uh, 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 take the place and go before the Olenu with a moment of silence, which is minik hagoyim, mamish hevel Hashem should help us to understand the nature of war, the nature of remembrance, what Hashem really wants us to do to make the world the place Hashem wants it to be. And therefore, we will proudly, proudly not be silent when we should be praising HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And then Hashem, we just hope at that moment, by Yom HaHu, 
Hashem Echod Ushmo Echod. And when that happens, we don't need any minutes of silence. We've remembered enough, and we need to school the world and not be ashamed to do it, because that's what the Mashiach is all about. Thank you very much for listening. Have a wonderful Shabbos.